Well, Lord, we invite your presence, God, as we gather together and worship in your name. Lord, let this be about you. Let our, let our audience be you right now, God, as we, as we worship you. We thank you um, for all that you do, God. And, Lord, we, we can't do anything without your presence. So we, we invite your presence here, Lord, as we worship that you would move here amidst us and also wherever we're, we're taking this in, God. In your name we pray. Amen. As we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will wait. Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will wait. Strength arises, strength arises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will wait. Strength arises, we
good to see you again uh, in my mind's eye. Uh, we are coming down to the wire regarding uh, COVID and meeting again. I'll be getting word out to you soon. But today I believe I have a word uh, for all of us and I'd like to read uh, out of Isaiah 61 and I want to read it with enthusiasm. So bear with me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they will rebuild ancient ruins and they will raise up former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So probably 25 years ago, my oldest daughter walked into my office and dropped this on my desk. Can you see it? It says, God bless you. Well, that's nice. So I open the box. And out here is an acorn. Huh. And then I get a little love note inside the box that says, trust the seed. Love you, Dad. I have saved this acorn. Whoops, I dropped it. I have saved it for 25 years. And I never forgot it. They say that an oak tree can grow to 100 um, feet. The average uh, life of an oak tree is 150 years. They're great for shade. We convert them into furniture and firewood. The acorns themselves, when they fall around the tree, are the nutrients for squirrels and so many uh, in the habitat. When their roots go down, I think especially of California oak, my son would know a lot more about this than me, but they have to go through hard, dry soil 
and the roots go deep, so the branches go up, and they're strong, and they're sturdy. When the Santa Anas come, um, the trees in our backyard, I can't think of the name of them. Um, what are the trees? Uh, oh, you see them all over Southern California. It'll come back to me. But they, they sway back and forth like this. Oftentimes they're uprooted, but not the oaks. So he says that we, in verse 3 of chapter 61, will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. From a little seed, from an acorn, comes this unbelievable tree. And out of that, you'll see a grove of oaks. And that's us. We're to, from, not to despise the day of small beginnings. Jesus spends a lot of time talking about the seed and what the seed means. And I want to return, to, uh, go back to a familiar part of Scripture and read it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 13. And keep in mind that Jesus is just in everyday language. He's sitting. Uh, he went out of the house. He had been in a house and he's sitting by the sea. He's just sitting down there by the water. And a large crowd gathers and then um, he gets into a boat. Beginning in verse 3, and he spoke many things to them in parables. Now parables are important because what parables do is they disguise the truth. The truth is in it, but you have to want the truth to dig past it to get the revealed truth that's in it. And, and so parables allowed the Lord to give deep truth to him that had an ear to hear and him that had an eye to see. So many of his illustrations are in parables. So he says, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds uh, fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. That's the first one. The birds ate them up. Second one. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. That's the second one. The third one, verse 7, Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, the disciples were confused by this, and they, they didn't know what he was saying. And he said, um, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus says to them, uh, to you has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear. And they do not understand. And then he goes along and relates a prophecy out of Isaiah, where they keep on hearing, but they don't understand. They keep on seeing, they don't perceive. 
and their heart had become dull. They could scarcely hear. But he tells them, but you're blessed. Uh, He says, uh, your eyes are blessed because what you see and your ears because of what you hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. It's an amazing statement of of, uh, just how blessed we are to, to know and to understand the things that we do. So he explains the, the parable in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sword. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away of what's been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The next one, the one on whom the seed was sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word or because of the message, immediately he falls away. And the one to whom the seed sows among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word understands it in his heart and who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some 60, some 30. Just a very simple illustration and yet it goes, it's unbelievable, the revelation that Jesus puts into this both for the believer and the unbeliever. There are, the parable of the sower is about four different types of soil. And the first one is the hard ground on the road. The roads are busy places. They're heavily trafficked. There are areas of activity and commerce. Some roads are dead ends. The the seed, the word of God, lays on hard ground and it's not able to penetrate. And the birds of the air come and eat it and take it away. It takes no root. It's a busy place. It's a traffic place. It's a place of uh, commerce. It's downtown New York. It's downtown Chicago. It's when you're going all out. It's so busy. And uh, there's no planting season there because it's too hard to plant. People don't even take a chance to respond before they're on to the next things. Their hearts can't even go through any reflection or conviction or repentance. They're preoccupied. They're too focused on what this world has to offer and see and touch. The God of this world has blinded the hearts of the unbelieving because he comes in and swoops and takes the seed before it even could do anything. There's nothing wrong with the sower and there's nothing wrong with the seed. What's wrong here is the soil and the hardness of heart. The second soil, well, let me just say in my own life, how many times did I hear the gospel before I heard it? I don't know. But I know I was hard, and I'm thankful that the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of my heart. The word, the seed, somehow it penetrated my 
defense system, my galactic defense system, my triple-paned windows, everything I had to block out, holy rollers and goody-two-shoes and Christians, I wanted to block it out. A bunch of phonies. And yet, I was the biggest phony of all. Yes, I was. But I'm not anymore. I'm sincere. Love the Lord. He transferred me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He gave me a future and a hope. He changed the direction of a self-centered life to a life of service in Him. The rocky ground. This is the shallow heart or the person who's only temporary. This person, um, it's a lot about our culture who wants happiness more than anything. We live under the guise of Madison Avenue, constantly telling you about new mousetraps that will improve your way of life. We spend money, we go into debt to keep up with the Joneses, and then we find out the Joneses aren't doing so well themselves. And they, uh, these people on the rocky soil, they love a good sermon. I mean, they, they'll come to church Christmas and Easter, occasionally even more. But they love to hear an entertaining talk, and they enjoy special music. Just love the sermon. I enjoyed it so much. And they received it with glad. It was refreshing. It made me think about some things with God. But it takes no firm root. They show up for a while. They're blessed by spiritual insights, but they're not ruled by them. Their roots don't go down. They can't handle complications and warfare. It's sad. I've, I've had that happen many times with people where I've seen them respond favorably to the Lord and then it happens. The, the beginning of something they need to do with God and they walk away sad or drift off. It's really sad. Persecution, affliction. You can't avoid affliction. It just comes. But make no mistake about it. If you're a Christian, deep calls unto deep. He's not going for surface. He's going for our heart and to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbors ourselves. He's not taking second place. Listen, new Christians need um, love and affection. They're like new babies desiring the sincere milk of the word. We need to be sensitive to them. And older Christians that have been around a while shouldn't be condescending or any way with a younger Christian. But they're like a baby that's teething. And there's, when they get, they don't understand why. Ever since I've become a Christian, I've been going through hard times. I said, man, God's working on you. This is good. Hallelujah. I want to just say for those of you that have gone through affliction and persecution and difficulty, you're still here. Good for you. The God of the ages has brought you through every 
height, depth, and power, and he's still at work in your life. He'll never leave you or forsake you. People will, but he won't. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. You're a living epistle. God is writing on our hearts. The third soil is the thorny ground or the divided heart or the contaminated place. The soil is basically good, but unseed weeds start sprouting up and they take moisture and nutrients from the good plants and they divide, they, they, make, uh, they make the plants weak. Um, and when we're in that place, when we allow thorns to grow, it, it literally choke out our lives in God. We live in a world of commerce and social media and so much activity, so much news, so much reading material. So we know more about things than, I say we know more information, I don't know how much more we really know, but we know a lot of information that weighs us down. But the thorns grow side by side. And he tells us that the thorns are really, in Mark 14 through 18, he says that the thorns are the deceitfulness of riches, the worries of this life, which neutralizes us in the Lord. If my focus is on worry, then I'm going to have insomnia. But the scripture says, to his beloved, he gives sleep. I am grateful to God for sleep. My wife gets mad at me sometimes because I fall asleep from my head going down to the pillow most of the time. Although sometimes I'll have to say, pastoral burdens have kept me awake. So, so I don't just always do that. But worry is our need to control an outcome. And I like to ask how you're doing with that as you worry. How many, are you, are you doing a good job in controlling the outcome? <sighs> How's that working for you? You know it's not. Well, stop it. Let's stop it. Let's not worry. Good luck with that. Let's trust him. Let's not be overly uptight. Let's not get lost like Martha who and Mary where Martha was so upset with Mary because she wasn't carrying her load but Jesus wasn't always going to be there. And she took advantage of the opportunity. And he said, she chose the better part. Our duty and our responsibility and our plans are always there. But I mean, if we're allowing that to choke out the substance of our relationship with Christ, then, then what are we doing? It's deceptive so soil. And um, these things grow together. And... It's sometimes it's even hard to tell one from the other. But this I would say, for those of you who are Christians and have been a Christian for a while, this is where I think we're most vulnerable. You've received the Lord. You've been baptized. You filled with the Spirit. 
you've been to Bible classes. In the meantime, you have a job. Now you have responsibilities. God's expanded your sphere. And it's really easy for the thorns to come up and choke us out. The deceitfulness of riches. I think uh, this is out of Luke chapter uh, 12, verses 16, 15 through 21. But it's about the man who uh, he's retiring. And I it, actually, it's such a good story that if I paraphrase it, I won't do a good job. Beginning in verse 15 of Luke. We're talking again about the third type of soil. And he said to him, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not everyone who has an abundance does his life consist in, of, in possessions. Our life does not in, um, exist by our stuff. Steve Jobs was a billionaire. He died a few years ago at the age of 59. How much did he leave? All of it. How much do all of us leave? All of it. And he told them a parable. Here we go again, another parable. The land of the rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. I got an IRA. I've got a 401k. I've got T-bills. I've got notes. I've got cash. I've got, uh, you name it, I've got it. I've got property. I've got this. I've got that. He says, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Another way of saying, you idiot. What are you doing? This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you've prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. It's a parable about the deceitfulness of riches. It's not that riches are bad. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David... Solomon, James and John, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, they had wealth. It's not that there's no spiritual value in poverty, but it's if riches have us instead of us having riches, that's a different thing. The last one is the good ground. It's fertile. It's receptive to the word of God. And he says, it's undivided. It produces a crop 160, 30 fold. All four types of, so of soils are conditions of the human heart. The fourth soil, the good soil, has the right pH balance. Ethan, do you know what pH is? Good for you. It actually measures the acidity and the alkaline 
um, factors uh, when you're involved in planting and, and um, botany and all of that sort of stuff. Do you know what aphids are? A-P-H-I-D. They're little critters that the, uh, there's 5,000 species of them and they come and eat all your plants. But so, the good soil is good and the good farmer will deal keeping it in balance and he will deal with pests and he'll produce a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. So I want to close with a couple of thoughts. There's another parable. I won't read it, but it's about the parable of the tares, and they get an explanation. This is in Matthew 13, 37, but he says, the one who, and the, the, what it is is the tares are like weeds. They grow up at the same time at harvest, and, and they're, they didn't understand what Jesus said, so he says this, this, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather gather out of the kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun, the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So we are the receiver of the seed, the word of God into our heart. Once the acorn falls from the tree, it creates another tree. As the seed comes to us in the word and it dwells in us richly, now we be actually become the very seed that God is sowing into the world. He has no other seed to sow. He gives us this, he gives us the scriptures, and he gives, but he is sowing me and you and you and you and kids, he's sowing you into your school. He's sowing you into your sports teams. He's sowing you into your family, into your little brother and your little sister and your big brother and your uncle. He's sowing you into your, to love your parents and to honor them. He's sowing you into this culture that is so lawless and crazy because you are sons of the kingdom. As you've received Christ, so walk in him. Don't be taken captive by vain philosophy and and empty deception and the rudimentary elements of this world but God is with you and for you I don't know when a good time to sow I just figure I've had the most amazing experiences on airplanes downtown New York City with Dudley we had a time that was one of the great times of my life just the Holy Spirit broke out and you never know but I want to read one last scripture in closing from um, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. Here's what it says. He who watches the wind will not sow. Hmm. And he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind, 
or how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman. So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Verse 6, sow your seed in the morning and don't be idle in the evening. For you don't know whether your morning or the evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. If you can sow seed in COVID, you can sow seed after COVID, you can sow seed wherever you go, the seed of Christ. But remember, Christ is sowing you. And as we go someplace, we're sowing Christ. I will say one comment about the seed. When a farmer does the seed, if you've ever seen them spread seed, they don't seed here, seed here. They take their hands and fill them and just throw them all over. All the, and every one of those seeds is good. And the farmer's good. But he knows that some of that seed won't bear fruit because it doesn't get in the right soil. Or it'll get in soil and a little green plant will come up and then it gets 95 degrees and it dies. Or it'll grow up in the midst of thorns and uh, watch the thorns eventually choke out the beautiful flowers. Or some will fall on the good ground. So may I say that I pray that as we go forward that we'll watch over our hearts with all diligence. A joyful heart's good medicine. May the soil of our hearts be tender and sincere before the Lord. And whatever we've got facing us this week, next week, next month, God is with us. Pray with me. Lord, I pray that this word on the seed will impact me and believers as well as people that have never heard. And we pray right now for those whose hearts have been blinded by the God of this age, the one who steals the word, steals the seed, doesn't allow it to take root. Lord, the enemy is, goes about to accuse and divide and destroy. We have no part of him. Lord, you are the one true God. All other pretenders to the throne are false. So, Lord, we, we commit this day, we commit this week. In your mighty and wonderful name we pray. Amen. i
Church, we love you, miss you, and we'll be seeing you very soon. God bless.